Jesus, I give, I give honor to the Lord on today. Amen. I give honor to my beloved wife. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. 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 A blessing just to be alive, amen. Amen. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord, amen. It's a blessing to be able to do his will, to serve him. So I just I just thank him for everything that he's done. Amen. Amen. So I don't need y'all to get dead on me as I get ready to as I get ready to go into this word, amen. Y'all be praying for me. Amen. I thank God for last Sunday as we started a new series, amen, on Inheritance, Lord Jesus. Lord. Amen. And this Sunday, I want to talk to y'all about the anointing. Amen. amen. I'm not going to do ABCs. Amen. So it ain't no pattern with this. This will happen. Amen. That, that, that this Sunday, God has given me the subject of the anointing. Amen. Glory. Amen. amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm so thankful for it. Yes, amen. Yes. I'm thankful for his power. Glory. I'm thankful that the anointing yes. destroys the yoke. Yes. Amen. Yes. And, and I want y'all to know that what God anoints, no man can touch. Glory. 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 Amen. What God anoints, no man can touch. Ooh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so um, last Sunday I told y'all I'm gonna be I'm gonna be primarily in the book of Second Samuel and Philippians. And so this Sunday I'm going to be in Second Samuel chapter one, Amen. And um, this particular sermon, God knows exactly what He's doing because it has been a busy week, Amen. And I want to say maybe Tuesday night the Lord woke me up at two o'clock in the morning, Amen. And, and I and I and I, I typed out this whole sermon on my phone. Went back to bed about four, amen, and, and then got up around six and went to work. But I thank God for that because the weekend was, was so busy that I probably would not have been able to prepare a sermon like I would have liked. So I just thank God for for this word, amen. And and, and throughout this sermon, I'm going to... My catch phrase probably for the next few weeks is y'all better quit playing with Jesus. Amen. Glory. Like, that's just it. Just stop, stop playing with him. Amen. Because what God anoints, no man can touch. Glory to Jesus. And so when we talked, last Sunday we talked about inheritance. We talked about the benefits of, of serving God. Amen. The benefits of serving God. And you really don't understand all the blessings and the favor that you have until you talk to somebody who doesn't have a relationship with him. Lord, right? Lord, Lord. And that's not, I, I'm not talking about in a boastful way where you're saying like, well, I got God and you don't. But when your heart goes out for somebody who does not have a relationship with God, it helps you to realize just how blessed you are. Amen? Yes. And so I, I want to take y'all to 2 Samuel chapter 1, and I want to start with the 14th through the 16th verse. And it reads, it says, David asked him, thank you, Lord. David asked him, how is it that you dared to kill the Lord's chosen king? This is NIV, but if you read King James, it's going to say, how, how are you not afraid to stretch forth your hand and kill the Lord's anointed? Right? Then David called one of his men and said, kill him. The man struck the Amalekite and mortally wounded him. And David said to the Amalekite, you brought this on yourself. 
You condemn yourself when you admit it that you killed the one whom the Lord chose to be his king. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Y'all better quit playing with you. Right? Right? So in order to understand what I first what I, what I just read in 2 Samuel, you gotta go back to the last, the last chapter of 1 Samuel. And this whole book, first, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, is basically like the, the rise of kings in, in the nation of Israel, how, how they how they came to the throne, starting with Saul, right? And then it went, it goes on to David, and then we know First Kings is about Solomon. I mean, but David has David has been anointed king, he's been chosen king, but he has not assumed his position yet. Because Saul is still king in First Samuel. And Saul ends up dying at the end of First Samuel. He ends up dying on the battlefield. And when you read the account of his death, and then you read 2 Samuel, you will see that the Amalekite story is not the same story. Right? This Amalekite thought that now that Saul is dead, if he goes to David and says, you know, I, I, I escaped the battle and I brought you these things belonging to King Saul, he thought that David was going, he was going to find favor, like I'm getting good with the new king yeah. because I know that the old king was dead. And so he tells this lie, and he says, I saw him, and you know, he was he was hurt really bad, and he asked me to kill him, so I did it. And when when, when this Amalekite told David this, David ran his clothes, he started to moan, he started to cry out, and then we get to those fourth, the, that 14th to the 16th verse, and David asked him, like, how are you not afraid? How are you not afraid to reach forth your hand? How are you not afraid to reach forth your hand and kill God's anointed? I don't care what he asks you to do. How are you not afraid to do that? Right? And so David immediately recognized that this man is lying. But because he said this is what he did, then he has condemned himself. So what I want to talk to y'all today is about the benefit of the anointing. The, the, the benefit of being chosen, right? We talked about inheritance, right? And how Christians don't always use their benefits. How when the world looks at us, they can't tell the difference between us and other people. So why would I serve your God if, if y'all look like y'all are going through the same thing that I'm going through? So today I want to talk to you about the benefits of the anointing. The benefits of being chosen. Because what God anoints... No man can touch. And when we we know about Saul, we know that he was not even the best king out there. But it was just the fact that he he belonged to God. And we talked last Sunday about how God can use flawed things, right? He can deal with our flaws, right? So we know that Saul was flawed, but God was still using him. God still chose him, right? And so it's not our place, glory, to write people off or to kill them or to attack them, right? Especially when they belong to God. So I, I think about, I had a conversation with somebody on yesterday, amen, and I recall them sitting in my house and I recall them giving their life to the Lord several years ago, right? And from 
all the way back then up until now, things have not been going right in their life, right? They've been in they've been in a storm and they've been in a in a whirlwind of things happening and a lot of hurt and a lot of a lot of pain, right? But I told them at the end of the conversation yesterday, I say God still remembers, he, he still remembers your prayer from seven years ago. When you gave your life, when you were sitting and you were crying and you gave your life to the Lord, I know things are not right right now, but when you said that prayer seven years ago, God still remembers that. Right? And so, so many times we look out at people and we and we write them off, right? But we got to be careful that we're, that we're not stretching forth our hand to do evil to, to one of God's anointing. Because that's the benefit of giving your life to Christ that even when even when I know I'm not all the way right, if I turn, God is still going to recognize me. Like, he still loves me. That's a benefit. That when he chooses you, right? And so if you know anything about the story, if you know anything about the story of, of, of David, you remember that David wasn't his father Jesse's first choice. He went through all the other brothers before Samuel got to David, right? So 1 Samuel 16 and 8 says, Then Jesse called Abibadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither have the Lord chosen this. And so this, this, this helps us understand what the word says when many are called, right? I'm going to call this son. I'm going to call son number two. I'm going to call son, son number three, right? Many were called. But David was the chosen one. Right? Amen. And it's the same thing. God is calling all of us. But there is a benefit in being chosen. He's calling a lot of people. But there is a benefit in being chosen. So I want to take you out to Matthew 22, 1 through 14. And this is Jesus talking. And it, and it, and it says... And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Right? Many a call. Jesus, come on, come on. Come to the wedding. Come on, come on. Come to the house. Come on, come on. I got benefits. I got an inheritance for you. I got a mansion not by made by hand. Come on, come on to the house. But they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, which means called. Tell them which are called. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, and my oxen, and my fatlings are killed. And all things are ready. God has, he, he, he has prepared a sacrifice. He got your blessings lined up for you. He got doors open for you. He has he's laid out the red carpet. Like all this is the benefit of being called, right? He's calling you to your benefits. He's calling you to your inheritance. Come on, I got it all laid out. All things, right? Y'all saw that? All things are ready. Not some things. All things are ready for you. And I'm inviting you into this space. I'm inviting you into this marriage. And I need y'all to understand that Jesus 
is the groom and his church is the bridegroom, right? So he's calling them into fellowship. But they made light of it. And they went their ways. One to his farm. That's their job. That's what they represent. They made light of it and say, no, I got, I got to go to work. I got to go to work. Another to his merchandise. No, I don't want to do that. I got to be about my money. Right? And my things. Right? Hallelujah. And the remnant, right? The ones left over. Some of them went on about like they just made light of it and they went on their way. But then there were some other ones. Right? There were some other ones. And it's, the word says, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and killed them. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to go my way. I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to mock y'all and I'm going to make fun of you. You know, some people, when you try to minister to them, they just don't receive it and they go their way. But there's other people, when you try to minister to them, they actually attack you. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. They actually attack you. But when the king, but when my Jesus, but when my God heard thereof, he was wroth, he was angry. Mm -hmm. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Mm -hmm. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready. But they which were called, they which were bidden, were not worthy. Go you therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid them to the marriage. Let me tell y'all something. Y'all better quit playing with Jesus. If you don't want the inheritance, God will say, okay, I called them. They didn't want it. Servants, go into the highways. Go into the byways and call somebody else. Because the ones that I was inviting, the ones that I invited, they didn't want it. Right? And he says, as many as you find that's willing to come, as many as you can find, right? There is no number. I ain't putting no cap on it. I don't have no guest list. As many people as you can find that that going to heed to my call to come into this wedding, to get this inheritance, to get this benefit, you tell them to come on. Right? So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And that's what I love. See, some of us, like, like the Lord told us last Sunday, some of us Christians don't use what we have. Y'all remember what happened to the to the when, when the, the parable of the talents? Right? Don't not appreciate what you have, and then that which you have ends up getting taken away from you. Right? So they went out and they found both good and bad. God does not care. He, like I keep telling y'all, he can use anything and anybody. If you don't want to be used, he's going to use somebody else. And you might be thinking, you got it all together, and he'll go pull somebody that's out there in the street that seems like they're the worst person in the world, and he'll pull them in and use them just so he can get the glory. So they went out. They found both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which did not have on a wedding garment. Right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't ready. He wasn't clothed. See, some of us, some of some of us, we, we come into the house. We we we're called and, and we'll step foot in the house, but we're not ready to participate in the marriage. Think about how many people get married and they're not ready to be married. What happens? You end up going through a what? A divorce. 
And that's God in our when 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 Jesus marries you, he's not that's why the word says he's he 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 he's married, he's tied to the backslider. He's faithful. Amen. Right? Amen. The only thing that, that, that God ordains a divorce for is infidelity. Well, you know God ain't gonna cheat on you. Amen. So that means that the only person that's gonna cheat in a relationship is gonna have to be you. Right? right? The only person going to cheat that has to be you. And, and God is so faithful that he said, even though you cheated on me, I'm not going to divorce you. Because I made this covenant and I made this promise and I made this vow to you. Mm-hmm. Right? But this particular man came to the wedding not really wanting to be married. Do you think that Jesus can't recognize, right? Y'all standing before the altar. You think he don't know whether you really love him or not? Right? He already know before you say the vows, you're going to leave him at the altar. Glory. Glory. So watch what the word says. And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. He didn't have a reply. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that does not re- necessarily represent hell. What that represents is a separation for God, right? You you forfeiting your inheritance. Think about what it's like to be married to God. If you got a good husband right now, right? If you if you if you can say I got a good husband or I got a good wife right now, right? Think about them right now. Now I want you to think about the flaws that they got. Even with the flaws that they got, your initial thought was, you know what, I got a good husband. Well, think about being married to God. He don't have no flaws at all. So think about how good that marriage is, right? And so when when when, when Jesus saw that this man was not preparing, he's really talking about the, the Pharisees, right? They are in the house, but they don't really want to be married to him. They don't see him as the Messiah. Then he says, okay, then, we can't, like, I can't be married to you and we not, I can two walk together and not agree. Like, I can't join in a covenant with you and you're not ready to submit to me as my bride. So you are, you can't, you can't participate in the wedding. Then said the king to his servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, right? But few are chosen. Many are called. And I think every man in the house, amen, that has dated somebody, right? And then went on later, and you find you finally seen your bride, and you knew that's the one, right? You had dated all the Muslims, but you knew the real thing when you saw it. At least that's how it should be, right? So many are called, but there's something about being chosen. It's something about being his anointed that no man can touch, right? And that's why the Lord say what too. And I, I didn't know I was going this, going this way with this marriage stuff today, y'all. This is not part of the plan. But that's why the word says what God has put together, right? Let no man put asunder. No, no, no bond, right? The bond is so tight that, that nothing can touch them when something is chosen. When something is anointed, right? When the word say, "Who can pluck us out of the hand of God?" Nothing, nothing on, nothing in heaven, nothing in hell, nothing can take us out of His hand. 
And so that is the benefit of being a Christian. First Peter 2 and 9 tells us, but you are a chosen. You are an anointed. And I was thinking about this, y'all. And I said, you know what, Lord? I say, I thank God for 3PD. I say, I thank God for 3PD because I feel like every member of this church is, is chosen. Like they are, y'all are anointed to do something for God. I'm talking about serving him in some type of way. And yes, I could probably yes, I could say that about probably every Christian, but I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about like y'all have callings on your life to do something great for, for God. Mm-hmm. From the babies, mm-hmm. right? And all of that ties into my calling. Like I know what my calling is, and my calling is to minister to those who are supposed to minister to God's people. Amen. Amen. Right? I always have viewed my calling as, as as me being a teacher, as this being a training a, a training ground to train his servants. So 1 Peter 2 and 9 says that you are a chosen, an anointed generation, a royal priesthood. And there's no doubt in my mind, that's why Pastor Carl will always talking will always talk about being a king's kid. Why she will always say that. That's anointed. That's like she understood I got an anointing, I got an inheritance, my father in heaven has everything that I need. Amen. So I like I, I can't understand why, like, I can't understand why. We don't walk in. That's why she was saying that song after everything that I've been through. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I got to tell y'all, like over the weekend, and my wife would tell you, I was kind of in my feelings, and I was kind of feeling down, and then I started ministering to people. And I started saying, man, I've been through the same thing, some of the same stuff that they've been through, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. but this person can't. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't see it. And that's a benefit of serving God. It's not that we so much holier. It's just that we know God is able. And other people don't have that hope. And shame on us if we're not able to explain the hope that we have inside of us. If we're not able to share the benefits of what it means. And that's what, he, that's what Peter says. A holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praise of him who have called you out of darkness. Mm-hmm. Think about all the people that you know that are depressed. You don't get you don't get out of that place without being called out of that place. Amen. Amen. You don't get you don't get out of depression mm-hmm. without being called out of depression. You don't come out of shame without mm-hmm. being called out of shame. Amen. And that's the thing we gotta realize like God is calling, He wants to use us to call. Right? But if you don't want to be chosen, Pastor God said you should be called, chosen, and then what? Sent. But if you don't want to be sent, if you don't want to be the Lord anointed, uh, the Lord's anointing, then be prepared to be replaced. Because he's not gonna stop calling. He's not gonna say, Oh, Janelle don't want to do it, let me stop calling. Trez don't want to do it, let me stop calling. He's not gonna do that. He's going to, to continue to call. He's going to continue to anoint. But a lot of times we don't see the benefit in being chosen. We see it as a burden. Like, God, that's too hard. God, I'm going to lose all my friends. God, but my family going to turn against me. We don't see the benefit of being chosen. The anointing destroys the yoke. Your family can't touch you. 
Your family can't like when you are anointed. They can't stop your prayer for them. Your children can't stop your prayer for them. Because the anointing destroys the yoke. Glory. Thank you, Lord. So in Revelation 17 and 14, it says, These shall make war with the Lamb. And I'm talking about these. These are the people who have rejected the call. These are the people that have walked away. They have rejected the call. And they shall make war with the Lamb, but the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and kings of kings. And they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. When God anoints you, nothing can touch you. We got to start operating in the spirit. I don't know if y'all remember, but the sun, like the Sunday that I preached before I went, I think it was before I went on my sabbatical, the Lord told me to begin to stress, to stress the sphere, the operation of the sphere. Right? And I like when I began to study what the anointing is, y'all, it's like there is really no benefit. It says like, of course, to anoint with oil, but there was really no definition to explain what it is. It's like I, I thought about Brother Marcus and that whole slippery analogy. That's almost like, that's almost exactly what it is. You are so drenched. You are so drenched. So you know, like, imagine if you jumped in a swimming pool with all your clothes on, how your clothes kind of weigh, weigh you down. That's what it is to be anointed. Like, you're so drenched, right? You're, you're, you're so drenched that just like you just can't, like, carrying all this, all this glory. And can't nothing touch that. Can't nothing overcome that. And that's a benefit of being a king's kid. So when we, when we when we read in when we read in Isaiah when it says in that day their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. So I, I imagine like the best way I can explain when you're drenched in the anointing. And so let me finish reading. It says in that day their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from from your neck. Because the yoke will be broken because you have grown so fast. When you read King James, it says the anointing destroys the yoke. So the best way I can describe it, imagine your neck is a sponge. And imagine God continue to pour oil on you until that sponge swells up so much that every burden and every chain and every weight that you have been carrying on your neck and your shoulders is broken. That's what it means when the anointing destroys the yoke. You become so drenched in God, right, that chains start slipping off, right? You become so full that shackles on your wrist just begin like, imagine you, you become like the hook, right? When the hook turns into the hook, all the stuff starts popping off. That's what it means when the anointing destroys the yoke. You are so drenched and full of God that nothing, nothing can hold you. So I want y'all to know, right, I'm, I'm, I'm almost to the end, that your closeness, your closeness to God destroys oppression. Your relationship to God destroys weight. The anointing destroys the yoke. Isaiah 10 and 15 says, but the Lord says, can an axe claim to be greater than the one who uses it? Is a saw more important than the one who saws with it? A club doesn't lift up a person, 
a person lifts up a club. And so to explain that you were to understand that you got to read that whole chapter of Isaiah. The people were oppressed, but God was telling them eventually my anointing, because y'all are my chosen people. Eventually, when y'all turn, y'all gonna be like, I put you in captivity because you were worshiping other gods, right? I put you in captivity because you were worshiping other gods. But but at a certain point when it gets so bad and you turn back to me. And you realize that you're chosen and you realize that you got benefits and you realize that I'm on your side and you realize that I'm the God that delivers. Eventually, all them yokes, all that bondage is going to fall off of you. Right. And, and, and that verse, that 15 verse is saying, right, I just use these people that took y'all into captivity. Right. I just use them to get you to see that you needed me. And that's what some of us need to realize. Sometimes we pay too much attention to the instrument that God is using mm-hmm. instead of paying attention to the person that is holding the instrument, right? We focus so much on, man, my children doing this, mm-hmm. right? Instead of asking God, okay, God, what are, you, what are you trying to allow me to see through my children? That's why God, that's why the Lord says, right, is it, the song greater than the person that uses the song. Another way of saying that, right, right, is like I'm, he's the potter and we are the clay. The clay don't turn to the potter and then tell the potter how to make it, how to shape it. And that's what he's saying. He's like, he's, he, he, he's saying, just understand that I'm in control and I'm using all of it. I'm using COVID. I'm using hurricane. I'm using economic crisis. I'm using all of this stuff that gets y'all to look the turn. I'm using this to get y'all to turn and to see that you're chosen for a time such as this. Right? Psalm 118. Psalm 118 and 18 says, He has punished me severely, but he has not let me die. Hebrews 12, 8 through 11 says, If you are not punished as all his children are, it means you are not his real children. But bastards, in the case of our human fathers, they punished us and we respected them. How much more then should we submit to our spiritual father and live? Our human fathers punished us for a short time as it seemed right to them. But God does it for our own good so that we may share his holiness. When we are punished, y'all watch this now, this now. When we are punished, it seems to us at the time something to make us sad, not glad. That's exactly how it feels. Yes, yes. Later, however, those who have been disciplined by such punishment mm-hmm. reap the peaceful rewards of a righteous life. Yes. There's a benefit. Don't don't think don't don't take the heaviness of, of being chosen or anointed as a negative as a burden, right? What does Jesus say about his burden and his yoke? It's easy. Is light. That burden you carry around your neck from the world don't feel good and it has no benefits. It, them burdens dragging you straight to hell. Right? The anointing, the, the, the burden of the Lord is really just his anointing. The, the, the burden of the Lord, them difficult conversations, them not, they're not running from conflict. That itching and burning desire to do something greater. That feeling stuck. That feeling, that feeling of 
there's got to be something more. That's the, the anointing. Amen. That's the that's God telling you, right? That's him telling that's him calling you and telling you, right? You got a calling on your life, and I'm desperate to choose you so I can send you. But too many times we see that as a burden and we run the other way. We run the other way. So whose child would you rather be? A child of God or a child of the world? There's nothing in the world except dust of the flesh, dust of the eyes. Right? But my father got riches untold. Man's is not made by hand. Trees that bear seven different fruits. Cities with streets paved like gold. Right? Whose child would you rather be? Right? We see throughout the Bible other nations offering their children up in sacrifice. And that is what makes the story of Abraham and Isaac so compelling. God asked Abraham to do something that he hated, child sacrifice. But he wanted Abraham to know that no matter how bad it got, even if it seems like I'm about to take your promise, I, the Lord Almighty, always have a ram in the bush, and the ram in the bush is always Jesus. No matter when it seems like you are far away from your promise, if you are chosen, God always has a way out. He always has a ram in the bush to get you where you need to go. Right? So God did something that he commanded his people not to do, which is do not sacrifice your child, and then he turns around and gives his only begotten son. So that would seem like a contradiction, but it is not a contradiction. Because God knew that his son was going to get up. There's a difference. There's a difference when you are a child of God. Nothing, not even death, can touch you. Jesus was a child of God. But so many of us are turning our children over to the world. Right? You might not be physically killing them or burning them like they was doing in the Bible, but if you let uh, you let the world raise them and you don't teach them nothing about Jesus, that's effectively what you're doing. You're sacrificing them. You need to teach them that you are, you belong to God. You are chosen. You are procured from the time they're that little. Y'all better quit playing with Jesus. When, when God says anointing, when he tells uh, RJ, you a prophet. Y'all better respect that. Y'all need to treat them like they are, like they already be. Amen. Amen. Right? Don't don't be like Jacob when jo- when Joseph told him, "I had dad, I had a dream that all y'all was gonna bow down to me." And he's like, oh, I ain't never bowing down to you. <laughs> what happened? What had they had to go right to Egypt and bow down? When God tells you that something is anointing, yes, yes, yes. y'all better quit playing with him. Treat it just like that. God is constantly saying, you can't, but I can. He commands the nation not to touch his anointing. And then he allowed the world to kill the very thing that destroys the yoke. And his anointed agreed to it. Why? Because they both know. Because gee, God, the Father and Jesus both knew that you can't destroy his anointing. You can't stop his plans. You can't kill his people. So I close with this. Why were you not afraid to reach forth your hand 
to kill the anointing of the Lord. Y'all better stop playing with Jesus. When a person has a calling on their life, you better treat them like that. You better treat them like that. Treat them just like that. Glory. There's a benefit. There is a benefit in serving God. Stop thinking about what you got to give up if you serve Jesus and start thinking about what you can gain. Stop saying, well, God, if I serve you, then I'm going to have to give this up and I'm going to have to give that up. Paul said, I count all that a loss just to know. I think he told us that last Sunday. I count all that a loss. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't miss the gin. I don't miss the weed. Right? I don't miss the fornication. I don't. Matter of fact, when I was doing it, it felt good for the moment. But then I just felt bad afterwards. Like, I don't miss that feeling. Stop thinking like God. He, he, he got your, he said, when, when Jesus was inviting them to that wedding, he says, all things are ready. You, we, we should not hear saying, well, God, when is going to be my time? And then Jesus looking at us, I said, I don't know, you tell me. I thought when my son hung his head on the cross, he said, it is finished. Amen. Amen. I thought in my word in Joshua, it said, the, from the beginning, the first chapter, I thought it said that the victory was already won before you even start fighting. Amen. So when you're looking for your stuff, like, God, like, I don't know, when you tell me, I got it. I got it. Don't touch his anointing and do his prophets no more. Let God's people work. Let them work. Help them work. There's a benefit. There is a benefit in serving the Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.